financially conformed or transformed. That's what we're going to continue in this discussion. Actually, this lesson is the tail end of a lesson we started last week on how we're to think about debts, or how does God, how does the Bible teach us to think about borrowing money? And I, I won't review what we've looked at in the past. Um, those are available online. Those lessons are available online. And I just want to consider in this lesson, how should we think about defaulting on our debts? Is, is it allowable for Christians to default on their debts? Is that something that honors God or not? Well, we're going to look at the biblical principles. And again, we're going to allow the Bible to drive this discussion so that we're not conformed into the world's patterns and standards, but that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds into a God-honoring steward. Just take note of where we're at. Larry Paquette has noted in his book um, um, that he put out uh, several years ago, he, he, note, he noted that in 1929, only 2% of American homes had a mortgage. And by 1962, only 2% didn't have mortgages. That's, that's quite a change from 2% that had them in 1929 to only 2% that didn't have a mortgage in 1962. With the increase in mortgages, coupled with increasing credit card debt, along with out-of-control spending, uh, to say nothing of all the college loans, means that foreclosures and bankruptcies have also increased. According to Dave Ramsey, foreclosures have increased 200% since 1980, with more than 600,000 homes lost in 2001 alone. In 1980, there were just more than 500,000 bankruptcies filed. And by the last year, which is probably around 2002, since the book was published in um, 2003, almost 1.5 million uh, bankruptcies were filed, unquote. So what are we to think about this? Well, let's just go to scriptures that address this. Psalm 37.21 tells us this. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. And particularly the first part of that proverb is addressing the very issue that we're asking. It characterizes, uh, in God's word, God's word characterizes the wicked as those who borrow and do not pay back. Um, that's pretty straightforward. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5, verse 4, tells us, uh, 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 gives us additional thoughts on what God thinks about um, our promise-keeping. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4, When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Obviously, this is talking about a vow to God, but keep in mind that a vow to God must be trustworthy, but so too must a vow to another person be trustworthy. The, the scriptures never give us an occasion where we can be untrustworthy or where we can be lie, where we can lie. In fact, Jesus himself 
tells us that we are to be truthful. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, he says, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond the beyond these is, is of evil. It, it is uh, evil when we uh, do not keep our words, and that from our Lord's own mouth. So these things need to guide our thinking, and as we think about loans, uh, as we think about repaying those loans and it is it is true that sometimes we borrow more than we should or there are circumstances that occur which we did not foresee that make repaying the loan very very difficult uh, but we need to keep in mind that that we we need to be people who are characterized by our truthfulness by our loyalty to our word ultimately loyalty to God and in, in wanting to do what we said we would do if we borrow money, we should pay it back. And so um, we just need to see that if if we can pay, you should pay. Obviously, if you're in a destitute situation, have no money to pay, then it's not possible for you to pay. Um, but, but realize that um, that money is still owed to that company, although you don't have any money to, to pay that at, right at the moment. So, so keep in mind that Scripture also says along these lines in Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, obviously, that's not related directly to uh, borrowing money or paying back the loan. But all that to say is if you have the ability to, to pay back a loan, you should pay it. In our day and age, sometimes people are choosing not to pay a loan. They have money. That, um, that could be used to pay down the loan, albeit slowly or little by little, but they choose the path of uh, bankruptcy or they choose the path of foreclosure, thinking that will get them out of the hole. So that's not the path or the route that God wants us, wants for his people. That doesn't honor God at all when we are unfaithful to our word. God wants his people to be very loyal borrowers of money, if if they borrow money at all. I just want to give a little illustration of this from my own life. Uh, when we returned from Poland uh, to North Carolina to to start into a different phase of ministry, uh, we actually planned to help plant a church in uh, a town in North Carolina. And with that in mind, I I went back to my former engineering employer and um, got a job work worked for them so I could be self-supporting in order to help plant this uh, new church. And with that, we purchased a home in 2007 um, with making a couple mistakes. One is we asked the wrong person to be our realtor. The, the person we met was cordial and like-minded, somebody in our church that we were, uh, at least that we knew from a church that we were attending at the time. Uh, but the problem was that that realtor turned out uh, to sell us a home that was owned by a pretty good friend of, of his. And so that left us without a, a really true advocate in the whole process. So, uh, part, you know, when part of what that meant is that we paid um, high, higher price than we should have paid without having a true advocate helping us navigate the, the home price. And we were just coming back from Poland, so we didn't have a good gauge of things ourselves. So ultimately our fault, but that was a factor. And then the other thing that was a factor is that we bought in 2007, which is the near height of the housing bubble, 
that soon popped in 2008. Uh, because of we were coming off the mission field, uh, we paid uh, very little down for our mortgage. And then when the economy turned, uh, turned tail and started heading down, um, there was a great um, uh, difficulty with that. By uh, 2009, I realized that the church plant was not going to happen. Actually, I realized that before that. But uh, in 2009, I uh, was looking for another ministry and uh, actually uh, found uh, a associate pastor position in Canada. And uh, all that remained was selling our home. Um, actually, the part of that that I want to relate as well is that we were... Um, the company that I was working for at the time was uh, feeling the effects of the economy. So they were going to lay people off and it is a very large company. So it just came down to numbers and I volunteered for that layoff because of the fact that I did have a job in, uh, in Canada working as an associate pastor for a church near Vancouver uh, in British Columbia, Canada. So with that, I was laid off in 2009 and the only thing that remained was selling our home, but there was a problem. Our home loan was upside down because the, of the drop in uh, home prices in that area. So our home, uh, our home loan was just upside down, and so selling our home wasn't going to be a, a viable option uh, for us. Uh, we we requested and received permission from our mortgage company to rent the house. So with that, we moved to Chilliwack, British uh, Columbia. Uh, so I could start uh, ministry as an associate pastor. And that was in 2009. And then in uh, 2010 or 11, sometime around then, I received notice that we could no longer be permitted to rent the home. Um, the federal government, due to the housing bubble, uh, all the issues that went around with the housing bubble pop, was cracking down on enforcement of um, the loan conditions, which they had a right to do. So they were forcing the the mortgage company um, to, with this type of mortgage that the house had to be owner-occupied, which meant we had to go live in it or we had to sell it. So we put the house on the market, but found out that selling the house um, at, you know, was not going to be um, easy. Uh, in fact, we had, to, to sell the home, we would have to uh, low, lower the the price of the home so much that between that and paying realtor fees, we would need a need about $30,000 just to get out of the house. That was something we didn't have saved up. And one person in the church in Canada suggested that we borrow $30,000 in order just to sell the house and be done with it. But uh, given that I was on a pastor's salary, and again, there's not it was it was adequate, uh, but it was not um, something that I would want to take on thirty thousand dollars worth of debt for nothing. Like we would have nothing at the end of that. So that was, in, in God's grace, He kept me from making that uh, what I would consider to be a foolish decision. It would be uh, dangerous, taking on dangerous level of debt, um, but He prevented that. Um, since since borrowing money wasn't an option and and we didn't want to move back to North Carolina because we were involved with ministry in Canada uh, and we didn't want to enter bankruptcy we knew that was not a good option 
that honor the Lord. We opened discussions with our lender about pursuing a short sale of our home. Now, a short sale is where the mortgage company uh, uh, agrees to sell the home um, at a lower price than what you owe on the loan. So, for example, if we bought the home for $150,000, let's say the market drops considerably, now it's only worth $120,000. Um, so a short sale means that if we sold it for $120,000, the mortgage company would, would take the $120,000 and consider the debt satisfied. They would not hold us liable for the $30,000 difference between what we borrowed and what uh, we were able to give them back. Um, so our our mortgage company actually approved a request for a short sale, and we started moving in the direction of a short sale. Um, our realtor was working working with us with a, with uh, knowing that it was a short sale situation. Now at that time, I was in conversations with um, and being counseled by a pastor in North Carolina, um, whose name is Kerry Hardy and. Twin City Bible Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That was a church we were attending uh, for about a year and a half uh, between realizing that our church plant situation wasn't going to work and when I, we left to go to Canada. And when I told Carrie what was going on, he challenged me that, that the short sale of our North Carolina home would probably mean that I was no longer above reproach as an elder and pastor since a short sale is a form of loan default. And uh, I was hit pretty hard with this, but I was, I was uh, not, to my ignorance and shame, I was not uh, really thinking through the, the um, passages that I just, I just read in Psalm, for example, Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. And when, when Carrie challenged me with that, um, and when I was thinking through Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one, um, I was very convicted that the direction of a short sale was wrong and and would not honor the Lord at all. So I reversed course. Uh, we started praying for the Lord's provision. We knew that we had to sell the home or live in it. Um, I called the mortgage company and told them that we were no longer going to pursue the short sale. I told them that I was either going to sell the home or live in it. And when the mortgage company asked why I changed my mind, I mentioned that I was a Christian and wanted to honor God by paying back my loan. Uh, to put it bluntly, that they were just they were just stunned, and they commented something to the effect of, uh, "We wish more people would take this approach." And it was at that time that I that I really realized that the reason that the that the mortgage company agreed to pursue a short sale is that they lose less money on a short sale than on a foreclosure. So if they were to go through foreclosure, by the time all of that's said and done, they they lose a considerable amount of money on a foreclosure. On a short sale, they just lose less. So it was sort of like I was twisting their arm and, and telling them, do you want bad option A or bad option B, which, you know, in that situation, they're going to choose a short sale over a foreclosure almost every time. And I didn't realize that before, but thankfully realized that later to, to do what is right. I after, after talking to the mortgage company, I called our realtor and told her of our change in direction. And she also agreed that this, this was the higher moral path to take 
and she wished more people would take this approach. Remember, this was the, the height of all the, the housing crash. Many people were, were either short-sailing or foreclosing on homes. Um, and um, as, as we anticipated, um, trying to sell our home at the higher price was not successful. Uh, we had no success at trying to sell the home at an asking price that would help us avoid the debt I mentioned earlier that we would have needed to sell it at a lower price. And so I called the realtor and, and told her to take the house off the market. Um, I offered to pay the realtor uh, for her time since she had spent time and energy. She took pictures, put things on a website, listed the property uh, with the realtor uh, listing uh, service. So in a sense, we started mentally making, mentally making preparations for moving back to North Carolina. Now, within a short time after taking the house off the market, I don't remember the exact time, but it wasn't very long, another realtor contacted me with news that she had a client who saw the house listing while it was while it was still listed and, and wanted to make me an offer. She wanted to know if I was still interested in selling the home. And of course I was. And as I remember it, she even offered lower commissions as there was not another realtor involved. So um, it would be, at the time, I think it was usually split 3% for each realtor. And so she was offering to, to save us 3%. However, I refused to bypass my realtor since it was her listing that actually caused the other realtor and the client to see my home so it would be cheating her out of business so I made it clear again it was not like another little test the Lord gave us another test of integrity and thankfully he helped us make the right decision so I made it clear that I would not bypass my realtor and that I needed a high enough offer from her client so that I could get out of the house without paying too much money we knew we have to pay some uh, we just couldn't we couldn't do what I mentioned before like a thirty thousand dollar situation. We just didn't have that kind of money. Um, in the end, her client made a high enough offer, working through her and through our realtor, that we only had to pay, uh, I believe it was around $2,000 in, in the deal to get out of the house. And we had that in our, in our savings. We didn't have to borrow anything. And we were pretty happy just to be out of the house with only a $2,000 uh, loss and then we could stay in ministry uh, ministering in Poland to the church we were at so uh, we were very elated with joy and thankfulness to our mighty God who provided abundantly for us and I share all this just to to help reassure you that if you will commit yourself to doing what is right God will provide and and we saw that on a firsthand basis in our circumstances. When we committed ourselves to doing what is right, he provided a buyer for the house who was willing to pay, uh, I think, fifteen to twenty thousand uh, dollars above market value, in order um, for us to be able to to accept uh, that offer. And it's just really neat to see how God works. So again, just reiterate: commit yourself to doing what is right and. God will provide for you. And you might not know how, you might not be able to see the answer. We certainly didn't, but he will provide. He is faithful. He will help you do the right thing. And, and just realize that regarding debt, there are many times where we make foolish uh, commitments, take on more debt than we should. There are also situations which we um, 
of which we don't have any control over the the, the market crashing beyond like a reasonable level there are situations which we may find ourselves if we're borrowing money we may find ourselves in in very uh, dire circumstances so in these circumstances you may need to plead with your creditors for some kind of relief uh, but do so with integrity seeking to honor the lord and paying back what you borrowed um there may even be situations which you are forced into bankruptcy if you're a, 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 you know, on a personal level or on a business level or even foreclosure due to no fault of your own. But, but keep in mind, those circumstances are, are very rare. Most of most bankruptcies and foreclosures could be avoided if we wouldn't have taken on so much debt. So, um, you know, there, there are circumstances like a, like a pandemic where your business might actually be forced closed for 18 months, something like that, that is just totally beyond your control. And you just need to ask God for wisdom, do the best you can to pay back what you can owe and, and then navigate the path forward and seek out the elders of your church as well for wisdom on how to move forward. And they will help you. And, and you know, with that, don't go deeper into the hole by borrowing more money in order to, to pay debts. Um, and I just want to also highlight that our obligations, our financial obligations as Christians, uh, often go beyond what the civil law demands. So in some cases, a bankruptcy, uh, in some cases, um, foreclosure is permitted but by our civil authorities, but may not be permitted by scriptural commands, may not be what would honor the honor the Lord the most? So, for example, our our short sale arrangement was perfectly legal, and all parties agreed to it. And yet, in the end, we reached the decision that it wasn't honoring to God that we pursue that. So, I don't think I I was permitted to go that way. I certainly could have in disobedience, but I wanted to be obedient, and I wanted to honor the Lord, and the Lord rewarded that. So keep in mind that that in times, not just the financial matters, but in other matters too, Christians may find themselves taking a higher road, even when it's to do something else is legal, but it's just not uh, the path that honors our Lord and our God. So I will stop the lesson there. Um, again, this is just a, kind of a wrap-up lesson talking about debt. And if you have questions about debt, uh, feel free to uh, contact me, reach me by email through the church website. Our next lesson that we're going to be looking at, just to give you a little teaser, we're going to be looking at preparing for the future. And that'll be a separate lesson. Our Lord and our God, I just ask that you would uh, just help us to be faithful stewards, that you'll help us to pay um, what we owe on our debts and just be good stewards and managers of the finances that you give us so that we don't even need to borrow money. In fact, that we can be, be in a position where we can be generous and lend uh, to those who have need. Lord, just uh, guide us for your name's sake. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the pulpit ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. You can find church information a complete sermon library, and other helpful materials at medinabible.org. This message is copyrighted by Medina Bible Church. All rights reserved.